You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. God, it's good to be here. Uh, am I, I am on. Man, things got to be in the center for me. I've been with my wife so long that if things, is that about right? I know it's not right for you, but it seems like it needs to be over just a little bit more. Then we'll be able to function correctly. Because, you know, uh, even, it's not Terry with an I, it's Terry with a Y no matter what you think about me wanting to do this. but uh, Sandy and I just got back from Ecuador, and uh, I'm, uh, you see my hat. It's an it's Ecuadorian hat. It's called a Panama. Now, I don't, you say, how is the Ecuadorian hat called a Panama? Because of all things, you know, because Ecuador and Panama are border. Why would you call an Ecuadorian hat a Panama? Very simply, that Back when they dug the Panama in the early 1900s, they finished it about 1914, I think. It was completed. And all the guys that worked on the Panama, the Ecuadorian people, say, hey, we see an opportunity, so we're going to sell hats to these guys working on the Panama. Who'd know that suddenly, because all these guys are wearing Panamas, or Ecuadorian hats are now called Panamas. So <laughs> I, that's a true Panama. I bought that in Quito, Ecuador, and I've got, I bought another one too, and I have two more besides that, and I've got, I'm a hat guy, so, and say, well, why are you a hat guy? It doesn't take a lot of math to figure that out. So, but it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, John Holler is uh, my best friend. Uh, he's also one of the stupidest friends I have. Now, say that in very in much in jest because, because he can attack me at any given time, and I can attack him privately. Now, I have great respect for him and honor for him because he's a tremendous man of God. And have, uh, man, he's a theologian. Gosh, the man can ever, forevermore know the Word of God. And God just keeps elevating him and elevating him. And you guys are so blessed to have this couple in your church. Uh, God's got great things for your, your, this house. He really does. This is, a, this is a divine implant. God's done this to bring about great change in your city and, uh, and not only the city, but the nations of the earth. So. But uh, I, I want to, my wife, Sandy, she's the, she's the prettiest thing I've ever seen in my life. And uh, she's married me. We've been married 40, almost 42 years. And uh, so we've been at it a while. She still loves me. She loved me when I had hair and she loves me now. So, and I, I, used, to, I used, to, used to walk around with a, this, this afro, this red afro. So it was all big, bright red afro. Uh, I need to pay attention to the time because if I get to chatting here very long, then we'll just, I'll turn this into a whole family event and it'll all be about me. But I think I'm here uh, by divine intervention. I think God's got something for me. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you. I, I believe God's going to use me to minister to some folks because the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he's out to do. And I want to try to help you today in regard to that because... Uh, there's some people in here that have been attacked severely. Yeah. 
You've been attacked physically, mentally, all matter of things. Some, some people, someone in here is fighting for their life. And I've, I'm here to help you. I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to show you that God himself is the healer. He's the healer. And uh, I'm going to start this a little untraditionally, but we're going to go there. The, the, power, the, the title of my sermon is The Power of Together. The Power of Together. We have so much power available to us in unity. When we come together in agreement, there's so much power. Unity is a being united as one. Unity is oneness of mind, singleness of vision. It's not division, it's singleness of vision. Unity is a group of people that have gathered together like you have to have agreement. Agreement of what? It's, it's, it's agreement that we're going to reach the world with Jesus Christ. Amen. Unity must be in the family. You have to have unity in the family. If you have the husband and wife always co combating on different issues, how to raise the children and finances, no matter what it may be, you're going to find that there's, there, there's such problems in that, that family. You have to have it in your business. If you own a business or if you work for an employer, it's important that you do what they ask you to do because, you know, it's, it's unity to do what the, 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 the employer tells you to do will bring you prosperity. It's the right thing to do. We see people all the time that break rank. They don't understand about unity because their opinion is better than everyone else's. And you see those people, they come and they buck the system to such a degree that they never really, they never really get where God's called them to be at all. We have to have it in the church. Because without it, we will not reach the world. We have to have the anointing of the Holy Ghost to bring us together to unity. And that's why it's so crucial you coming here at this time you think that you come sit on a pew or what if you're just coming uh, are involved heavily your agreement here is powerful you often think that if i don't come on church no one will miss me oh yes they will yes they will because there's power in agreement you being here agreeing sitting there just saying yes brings power to the house uh, matthew 18 19 through 20 I was going to email these to someone, but I forgot to ask if I should. Hopefully they're quick on the trigger. If they're not, then we'll go forward. Matthew, Matthew 18, 19 through 20 says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Now see, Jesus says, I show up when you determine to be together. When you determine to be at one, when you're able to say amen, get behind the preacher, get behind the vision of the house, get behind the leaders. See, there's power in that. It brings unity to your home. Yes. It brings unity to your business. It helps in every aspect. If two of you agree, whatever you need, ask in agreement, it will come to pass. It will happen if you two agree. It's, this is Bible, isn't it? I just didn't make this up, correct? This, is, this will work, right? Am I talking to the right church? This will happen. The word agree means to be in harmony. Uh, we have downtown Sulphur Springs, the, 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 first, the Saturday right before the 4th of July, they do a symphony and then they, point, they, they pop fireworks and big display. And you hear all those different instruments out there tuning. 
And they're all going off doing whatever they want to do, tuning. All different. You got, you've got violins. You've got big tubas. You've got all matter and, and all different. And lo and behold, the director comes and goes, holds his hands up, and what happens? That's the church. Your background, diverse. You're a Bubba from out south. You're a businessman. You, you know, you, 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 don't, you're, you may not be making as much money as everybody else does. You, you, know, you may not be as educated, or you may be overeducated. You, it doesn't matter. We come together, see? We, we make a difference. Together, we make a difference. Now, I think it's important that you look at your instrument and you say, well, my instrument, you know, I've just got a little... Like I say, the best thing I can play, I watch my friend play, says, I can pick my nose. <laughs> that's about that. I can tap my foot, but that's about musically inclined, can't sing, nope. I can dance, but other than that, you know, but that's, that's kind of out of style. I can't go do that anymore, so. I want to I read to you this wonderful scripture. It's 12 verses, Mark 2, 1 through 12. And uh, it's going to be where we go. All this is just forward. And again, Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Jesus is in the house. Amen. Immediately many gathered together. See what happens when Jesus is in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. That's a prophetic word for this house, by the way. Not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed in which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise. Take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Thank God. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately, immediately he arose, took up his bed and went out in the presence of them all. So that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. My Father, I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon your word. And I thank you, Lord, for signs, wonders, and miracles upon it, Lord, to follow. Lord, you're good and you're gracious. I think I make a demand upon the supply, the supply of grace, the supply of grace, Lord, so that we may do what you've called us to do, and that is to preach this marvelous gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. We can bring a lot, we can get a lot of lessons out of this. I've been in this series for a while, and I was praying about what to pray, about to preach. I begin to say, well, this is what I want to do. And uh, I was talking to some of my, my kids. They're, all our kids are preachers. My kids are preachers. Our, our, all of our, our, our son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws are preachers. Every, everybody preaches. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, right now we got everybody probably in the Holler household preaching and everybody in the Sparks household preaching today. Yeah. 
Uh, they're all there. All our sons and their daughters are preaching today. And, and uh, so that's, that's a big deal. And I, 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 that's a, to me, that's worth millions. But we're going to draw some lessons from this. Unity takes all of us working together. And these four guys decided they were going to get in unity to help a paralyzed friend. We don't know how, what happened to him. We just know that he's paralyzed. And anytime a Bubba looks at some other guy and he's paralyzed, your heart goes out to him. But you're, you don't have a lot of money. You can't really help him. And I keep looking at these guys, these four men. Now, I would like to polish it up and make it sound good. They were probably covenant guys, but this is before Jesus died for sins. There's no way for them to, other than self-discipline, to hold themselves godly in any way whatsoever. So we know they probably had impure thoughts. We know that they probably drank too much sometimes. Are you hearing me? Maybe lied here and there. Maybe, you know, you, we start looking at these men and we realize they're not perfect. Because again, Jesus had not died for sins. Had not given them power over that. And we, these fellas just sat around, probably, I'd like to say Starbucks, but let's say, just be real and say they're probably sitting in a bar, and they're sitting, what are we going to do for our friend? He's paralyzed. No great spirituality needed here. You don't have to know the Bible here. Don't have to be regular in church here. All you got to do is have, hey, I want to get somebody to Jesus. That's all I want to do is get my suffering friend to Jesus because they'd heard. They'd heard that Jesus was healing the sick. Some may have been healed. We're not sure exactly what happened, but we see that there's this, there's this, there, this unity agreement of togetherness that grabs a hold of their lives and says, hey, we got to do something. We got to do something. I did a funeral for a guy. We lost one. He came to church for a season. And uh, he, was a, he was a good young man, country as can be, but still just a great young man. And he had been addicted to crack cocaine and, or crack. I don't know what the, I don't, I don't even know what they do it anymore. Back in my days, I'm, a, I'm an old druggie that got saved. And so, uh, <laughs> amen. Yeah, I, I, I uh, I love, I love dope more than I love life itself, but you know, Jesus got a hold of me and changed me, so hallelujah. And Jesus wouldn't let, Jesus wouldn't let the pastor smoke marijuana and preach, so I had to give up something. Yeah, so I, I, he finally got on me, so you can't do this and minister, and I went, well, why not? It's not wrong, what's the matter? You made it. It's okay. I thought, no, you can't do that. So I had to quit all that stuff. But this guy, he, was, he, he, he had something. I think it, his wife threw him out. He started using drugs again, threw him out. And he went full bore off and was killed in a car wreck. Him and his dog. Well, his dog didn't actually die. They kept the dog alive because they wanted to dairy, bury the man with the dog. It, it gets worse. <laughs> I show up to do this funeral, and we have, uh, the, the, the brother comes up, he's, he's got on shorts. Now, if you're here and you're dressed like this, you're welcome, please. But he's got on shorts, and he's got on a wife beater shirt, and it's, not, and it's been stained a little bit. 
And uh, he's there, and he gets up and takes over the microphone. Says, my, my brother and I, we were just out, we were just out getting high here the other day, and, and I'm telling you, man, it was he, 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 he Every time he got high, he, he take the wheel, he prays, says, Lord, thank you for keeping us safe. As he drove away, he said, I don't know what happened, and it was, and it went downhill from there. So we, the, the, oh, I, I can tell a story on this, but it's R-rated, uh, and it happened. It actually happened. I cannot say it here. But it, 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 it's amazing what these young, these people were thinking. <laughs> so we were going, driving to the, the cemetery. And, uh, and I look out my, rear, my mirror here, and two guys sitting on the hood of their car, driving into oncoming traffic, making people, forcing people off the road to make them honor their friend. Now you can think about how stupid is that, but you know what? This is the kind of guys God used in bringing healing to this guy. Not necessarily that smart, but willing to do whatever it's, you're gonna honor my friend, even in my own life. I mean, the, the, it, it, oh, and it got, it, listen, it got worse. <laughs> It was, I, we had little ladies serving dinner afterwards and their eyes were about that big around. I just, they were seeing things. One guy walks and says, you know, I think we all got too many clothes on. And it went down from there. <laughs> you can't make this up. But they had an idea. It starts with an idea. Let's get a suffering friend to Jesus. How many people are out there that you know that are suffering? And so often we look at our lives and we say, hey, I don't, I'm not qualified. Oh, I am here to qualify you. Amen. You're qualified because you got more than they got. Amen. You got Jesus. Yes. How's this church going to grow? Yeah. By you. Yeah, that's right. yeah. With an idea. Mm -hmm. Let's get someone to Jesus. Yeah, Great things start with simple ideas. Hewlett Packard started in a, a garage. Microsoft started in a dorm room. We know the story of John Osteen. John Osteen pastored in a feed store and, so, and with, had holes in the floor for, for 15 years with less than 200 people. In our lives, we saw him build that monstrosity of a church of 10,000. Now then, Joel stands on his dad's shoulders and, and pastors and preaches to more people in the world than any other person alive today. 47,000 members in Houston. Starts simply. A simple idea. Never, never underestimate that. I want to tell you that this man's pain, other people's pain will give you purpose. You, you look at someone's pain and you feel, you feel compassion for their lives and it's important that you begin to fulfill that, move towards that. The number one question that is asked on Google is why am I here? Do you have that answer? Do you, do you know the answer to that question? Why are you here? I'm here to tell you, you're here to help suffering people get to Jesus. See, there, there are no hearses pulling you halls. The only thing you can take to heaven is the people. That's it. You're not going to be on your deathbed wondering, oh, I wish I could have just made one more million. 
Hey, they're going to take all your stuff and sell it at a garage sale anyway. You think about what's important in your life. What's important is people. People are what we live in for. And people, listen, pastoring would be fun if it wasn't for people. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has need of you. You're the answer to someone's prayer. You are. You are. Not your neighbor. I said you are. Don't try to avoid this. You are here. The Holy Spirit has need of you. See, we look at the closure. Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back. Now, we look at the way the world is. Let me ask you a question. Well, let me just put, give it by a statement. The statement is, God has no backup plan. You're it. If you don't go, who will? If you don't send, who will? It's time for the church to arise, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the church to arise. You know, uh, there, are, there are four main principles in regard to mastering flying, flying airplanes. One is lift, the other thrust, weight, and drag. Lift, thrust, weight, and drag. You have to take all these into account when these guys are trying to figure out how to fly airplanes. And for you to get your miracle, you need people who lift you. Yes. Lift you, brighten your day, cheer you up. Put, put a little zip in your step as you begin to go. Have you ever been around people that you just love being around? And then you walk, and there you're walking by someone, and you see them coming, and you immediately duck because you don't want to be around them? Don't lie to me. Huh? It may be your husband, but I don't know. Nonetheless, you've got you to gotta answer this up. And then, then there's the people who thrust you. They inspire you. They... That they motivate you, they challenge you, they move you forward. They're always pushing you a little bit. See, John's a thruster in my life. He, he's always thrusting me and stuff and making me uncomfortable and making me do things I don't want to do. He's always messing with me that way. And uh, my wife lifts me, hallelujah. She just tells me to quit whining and get over it and get with it. That's basically what she says to me. Yeah, my wife's the prophet in my life. She's sweet to everybody else, but she profits me. And then there are groups that they're the weights. They're the weights. And when you get around them, oh my gosh, they pull you down. They dump their problems on you. There's so much drama involved in their lives. You get on the phone with them, they will not shut up. And no matter what you try to pour in their life, they're not going to take it. They're not going to follow any of your advice. They're going to do exactly what they're going to do. And they're going to call you tomorrow and say, here we go one more time. Here we go one more time. And there's people that's what I call, that, that they're those that drag you down. They, their life is a total soap opera. And they get around you. And they begin to pull you into a place that you don't want to be. You have a choice to make. You need to be around people that lift you and thrust you if you're going to impact the world with Jesus Christ. You have to be. I'm, this, that's why you come to this church. Because the leadership of this church is designed to lift you and thrust you. That's where you need to be. Why do I need to be in church? Because you need to be lifted and you need to be thrusted. There's no drag here, honey. If we find, we find somebody that's dragging, guess what? They're not going to be around very long. Now, you, you're able to come. If you're a drag, you can come. Because you, why? Because drags and weights need to learn how to be lifters and thrusters. Amen. 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 So, we want to be that way. 
So we can't continue to be around people day after day that, that bring us into the, these kind of situations. Yeah. What, you know, I'm married to someone like that. Yeah. Or you got family like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I get it. I understand it. But ultimately, we, you have to protect that gift in you in a way that she says, you know what, I'm not going to just continually subset myself to this. We need to evaluate people who are influencing our lives. See, I always look like there's either dream builders or dream stealers. Who is it in your life that's helping you become what God's called you to be? You've got it. You, God's got something for you. Yes. He has a gift on the side of you. It needs to be developed. And you, some people don't even know what it is yet. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. You show up at church here day in, day out. I, I, if you're here today and you, this is your first time or you've just been playing church, I want to challenge you. Make this a regular routine. I promise you, I'll give you a written back guarantee. If you come here and you give six months of your life here in this church, show up every time you can. You show up. I guarantee your marriage will get better. Your finances will get better. I'm telling you, 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 if you're in weight and a drag, all that will change in your life. Because Because of what? Because of the Word of God. Change your life. What do you got to lose? Why not? not? Amen. Amen. Well, I think I'll go meddle with something else here. (laughs) They were desperate. These guys, you're pulling off a roof. That's a lawsuit. (laughs) That's major... That they, these bubbas are serious. How dedicated were they? Oh, overly dedicated. They were overachievers for sure. Because you, when you go up, you see the problem. When you go into the crowd, they can't get there. Now they've got their friend, he's in pain. We can go all the details of the problem being paralyzed, but here he is. He doesn't know what to do. He, he, he's basically kidnapped from his, and from his house. And they're saying, we're taking you to Jesus. Said, but I don't want to go to Jesus. He's, he makes mud spit eye on, and spits on people's eyes. Who knows what he's going to do to me? I mean, it doesn't matter what they want. So, no, you're going to Jesus. So they get him and they kidnap him and take him to Jesus. Now they get there and everybody's upset because now then they can't get him to Jesus because there's no room. You see, often we look at situations like this. God gives us uh, uh, something to do and we say, oh, there's a detour. And we just see it as a stop sign. Yeah. And it's never that. God has something great for you to do. You have to say, no, we're, God's called us to this. You've got to be desperate to see it happen. Yeah. See, desperation will motivate you to do whatever it takes to accomplish God's goals. We need to be, see a little bit of desperation yeah. in the church. So many, we, these guys are so absolutely, they, they are on board with this. But again, Jesus is controversial. Like this church. I don't want to go to that church. Isn't it nice to have that church as a name? I'm that church in my city, that church, and we're very conservative. We just believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Believe that you lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And people have a tendency to say that's that church. Yeah, we're that church for a reason. We're that church on purpose. 
And these guys made a decision that they, that's what they're going to do. He, you know, they didn't give him any option. Now then, here they are. They find themselves totally involved in this, and they cannot get him to Jesus. Normally, when we, we see this, we get, immediately get discouraged. We say, we, okay, we can't get there from here. It's impossible. So now what do we do? The friend, you know, there's, there's always one guy with an idea, and so he's probably had the idea, and then everybody's looking at him, so well, you were the guy with the idea, so now what do we do? Yeah. See, see, people will follow leadership, you just gotta act like what you know what you're doing. Guy says, hey, tell you what, let's just get up there and we'll tear the roof off. That's right. Sound like a great idea to me. They all get on board. See, sometimes God's going to call you to do radical things because desperation will push you to do things that wouldn't be ordinary. Praying for people at going to Walmart and suddenly you find yourself by the Holy Ghost getting on your life in such a way that so we'll pray for that person. I don't want to pray for that person. Well, you need to go over there and pray for that person. I give you a prophetic word for someone and you go, oh, no, we're not doing this here. Not here and now, Lord Jesus. No, not here and now. No, why not? See, it's time for the gifts of the Holy Ghost to get outside these four walls and out in the byways and make a difference where it's at because there's a gift on side of you that will work 24-7. See, so often the, the discouragement gets on you and they do everything they can. I was uh, assistant pastor for John Holler for six years in San Angelo, Texas, and I was also was the uh, Christian school principal. He overworked me and underpaid me. And uh, it was, truly, he really did. I'm not making that up. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry I had fun with that. Uh, I, I was ministering afterwards, and there's a lady, she came up, and I knew who she was, and she, she came up and looked and had this kind of very depressed look, and she said, I said, well, what do you need? She said, just, just pray. I went, Okay. Because you don't know what to do. Well, they say, just pray. So I began to pray for her, and her husband kind of followed up behind him, behind her, and he kind of stayed a little back away from her. And I, I just saw this big stone cold wall around her, and I just immediately, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, said, I see a stone cold wall around you. And I'm going to march around you seven times. Woo. And at the seventh time I get around you, I says, we're going, we're going to shout. And we're going to see those walls come down. Hallelujah. Now, it's after service, and it's a large church, and people are gathered, and I'm up front. Now, it sounds so good when you say it. But then when you go, okay. One. This is pretty stupid. <laughs> Two, what was I thinking? I don't know what I was thinking. It seemed like good to at one time. I don't think this is God. You don't think this is God? I don't think this is God. I don't, are you sure? No, this is not. I'm kind of committed here now. I don't know what to do. I'm in over my head. I, and then, and I, I don't know what to do. But something happened. I hit about that fifth lap. I went, whoa, glory to God. Hey, I, but they, okay, all right, all right, here I am. I said, I, I oh, come on. And then I begin, but I hit seven. I shouted. She screamed like someone stabbed her in the heart with a knife. She fell to the floor. 
And I mean, begin to shake under the power of the Holy Ghost. And, and I said, wow, what is, and I went down. Now her husband has a PhD in mathematics and teaches at the local university. He's behind there, he's looking at this. I look up at him, his eyes are about that big around. And I reach up and grab a hold of him. I say, get out here. I had no idea that she had come up to pray to just stay married one more year. And it was her 19th wedding anniversary. And he, I watched that man lay down on the floor next to his wife and gather him, her up in, the, in his arms and begin to weep over her. And she, they wept and wept and wept. And I, and I didn't know that they hadn't been intimate for probably over a year. And I said, it's honeymoon time. You can prophesy honeymoon, man. It's honeymoon. I can tell you the honeymoon was successful. <laughs> and continue to be successful. You see, we can't underestimate desperation. Desperation's not begging. Don't confuse it. Desperation is full of faith. That's right. Sometimes you may need somebody to help you get there, but ultimately yeah. you understand it's that way. Yeah. Desperation. Yeah. Blind Bartimaeus of all people. He's blind. He can't see. But he hears that Jesus is coming by the way. Now he knows he's coming. He's heard tell he's coming. He's heard the miracles, but he's, he's off. He has a robe for begging. It's something that was given to him by the, by the Pharisees that he can beg legally there. And now he's there and Jesus comes by and as he begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now what we would do in the church today is we'll say, oh, Jesus, have, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to draw any attention here. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, he said that he cried so loudly that they walked over and told him to shut up. But what did he do? He cried all the more. He wouldn't, and it says that Jesus was walking by, and what did he do? He stood still because he heard something. In the desperation of Bartimaeus' very voice, he heard faith. When he says, bring him to me, what, Jesus, what he did is he immediately took off his coat and he threw the coat to the side because he knew. He knew he wasn't going to need it anymore. He knew it. And ultimately, we see the power of God operating here. Desperation cries out in faith. There's some desperate people here today. I'm here to tar, stir your desperation up to another level. See, it, see, it, see, how are we going to reach the world? Huh? How are we going to, because we get desperate, not only see the people's lives change, but to see our own lives change. We put up with so much crap. I, my, my friend always tells me, he says, I'm afraid that you're going to preach in the pulpit and you're going to cuss. I cuss in my pulpit. Nicely. I do say it, I say it 
politically, well, no, sometimes I just mess it up. <laughs> but we see that that's what it's going to take. See, he, see, we see the desperation. See, why? See, he knew in Jesus was salvation. He knew in Jesus was healing. He knew Jesus was provision. Whatever you need today, Jesus will over supply exceedingly abundantly. See, the law is demand. 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 What is grace? Supply. 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 That's why we are able to walk in and say, I need some supply. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough understanding. I don't have enough anointing. I need some supply. And Jesus will oversupply because Jesus overpaid for your sickness. Jesus overpaid for every penalty. He overpaid. It's like if you have a, had a $100 debt, Jesus walks in and paid the $100 debt with a $100 million debt. Why would you ever feel like you don't deserve it when it's been overpaid? It's been overpaid. We find ourselves so often, well, I don't, you know, I'm not faithful here. Don't do this. Not this. I can't do this right. Stop it. It's by grace you saved. Hallelujah. Show up here. Love Jesus. Keep it. Don't quit. Don't quit. Whatever you do, don't quit. Now, I want to read you something. And I found this. I was messing around and looking. I keep every, I'm a typer and iPad guy, and I, I had written this down. I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure in December of 2010. I was in AFib. Uh, I had pneumonia. And, uh, and when they went in, I went to Baylor there in Dallas, they, they opened up two arteries with three stents. And they give, they give me all these, started giving me all these drugs. They shocked, tried to get my heart back out of AFib. AFib is when your heart's beating the wrong direction. Now, they, they run a test, and it's called, it's called uh, I'm probably going to mess it up, but infraction, fraction rate, whatever it is. It's these, how much blood your heart's pumping. And I'm at 30%. Now, 30% means that, and I think the top is like 70, 75%, something like that. So I'm less than half. And uh, I'm supposed to be in Ecuador. No, no, excuse me. I'm supposed to be go to preach uh, eight days in El, uh, Costa Rica, you do youth for the nations there at the Christ for the Nations, and then come back over and preach in El Salvador for another seven or eight days. And I tell my cardiologist, I'm going to go do this trip. And he says, no, you're not. I said, oh, yeah, I am. Well, at the end of it, I think the guy just says, well, he might as well die happy. Because <laughs> I had no idea how sick I was. And I started that trip. And I couldn't, walk, I couldn't walk through the airport and drag my own luggage. Sandy had to pull them both. Because I just, I'd walk a little few minutes and go. <sighs> because when the heart starts going, yeah. everything starts going. You see, my, the, I, they send me out of the country without any diuretics. I, my kidneys aren't functioning. I, I get over in El Salvador. I start to lay down. I can't sleep because all I hear is gurgle, 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 gurgle. I got so much fluid on my lungs because my kidneys aren't cooperating. There's not getting enough blood. 
And they, they're there, and the, when you go in Latin America, they preach you like a crazy man. They won't let you go. I, I we went over. We were going to stay a couple of days over, and they found I was going to be there a couple of days over, so they just booked me. <laughs> I got sick. I was supposed to preach on a Monday night, and I, 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 go, I, I actually started trying to get out of the country. I said, I, I don't want to die here on my wife. You know, these thoughts begin to go in my head. So I got to get out of this country and found out it's not as easy as you think sometimes to get out once you're in. So they send a doctor over to my, send a doctor over from the ministry. He comes by and he says, you have, you have air. I said, I have what? You have air. I said, you mean gas? No, it's not. I said, give me some diuretics. I mean, I knew what I needed. So I went and got the diuretics and I actually had blood tests done there for $7, but that's a whole other deal. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, but I don't know what they found out. I never even stood around to find out, but regardless. So, I, and I preached that night, and I got back home, and I come to the realization how sick I was. I was dying. They went back and did another test, and I went from 30 to 27%. That's within, like, two or three months. So I was digressing. They had me so much on drugs, trying to just manage it. And when I realized that they were just trying to manage it, I began to take things in my own hands. Yeah. See, I love doctors. Doctors have saved our lives and ministered to us. But you know, they can only do so much. And I, I begin to, to come in. So I'm going to read you this, because I'm at the end of it. Now, I was dramatically healed. May 29th, 2011. Yeah, Every symptom gone. I'm on zero heart meds, zero heart pressure or blood pressure, nothing today. Now that's not, that's not through, that's just because I don't need it. I was faced with the doctor, that, you know, after I was healed, the cardiologist, I, I was one week out and put a defibrillator in and I called and I, I said, I'm here, I'm calling to cancel my appointment for my defibrillator. Well, Mr. Sparks, were you sick? I went, no, the other. I've been healed by the power of God. Amen. <laughs> you know, they just think you're crazy. Yeah. And I'm looking at my cardiologist and he says, Mr. Sparks, please take these drugs. I said, do you take them? No, Mr. Sparks. Why don't you take them? He said, because I don't have congestive heart failure. I said, neither. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and listen, you can take your medication. You take that medication, you put it in your hand, you bless it. Amen. There's nothing wrong with taking your doctor's medication. But I knew that I had been healed because everything shifted in my body. Everything started working. I knew I was healed. And this is what I said. This is the lowest point in my life, so this is kind of a picture. I've been diagnosed with congestive heart failure. I'm on medication. The cardiologist wants to put a pacemaker defibrillator in my chest. I wake up in a daze every day. I have, to, I have no get up and go. I've become passive. I hate the way I feel. I'm on so many drugs. I want to be free of them. I'm going to have to take control. I've laid down long enough. Time to kick butt and take names. <laughs> I can sit here and continue doing what I'm doing and I'll continue getting the same results. I must make a stand. I want to get off the drugs. I want to get my life back. I want to do something with my life. 
This is not the time for me to lay down. This is not the time for me to quit. Because when you quit, you die. I'm a man of God. I believe the Holy Ghost has need of me. God has invested much in me. It's time for me to set, us, for me to set aside my weaknesses and hold on to his strength. I need a plan. I need a goal. Waking up in a new world every day is wasting my life away. I have seen God do great things in my life. I've watched him perform miracles. Those days are not over. I preached Sunday, and it was the hardest message for me to preach. It seemed like I was on my own. See, I got to a place so dark in my faith that I, could, I knew the word, but it's like I would put my hand in front of my face and I couldn't see it. I would pray, and it seemed like the prayers would come straight down. That doesn't mean anything. It means you're in a fight. You can never go by your feelings. I said, I can't go on one, I can't go one more step without his anointing. I'm placing everything on the line. If God be for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm the head and not the tail. I have a destiny. That destiny is receiving my healing. My destiny is to be free of every symptom. Today I make a plan. I'm coming out. I'm at the lowest point of my life, and I feel like I'm swimming in thick water. It takes effort for me to do anything. I'm tired of this feeling. I'm oppressed, no doubt. So today, I use my faith in my mouth. I'm going to put, my, going to put action to my faith. I refuse to be depressed. I refuse to be held back from my destiny. I care not what man thinks of me. I care what my wonderful yeah. Jesus thinks of me. Yeah. I want to please him. I, want, I am free. Who the Son makes free is free indeed. Time for me to make faith declarations and put my faith to work. I have a job. Enforce my rights. You are more than a conqueror. Now, I said that in the lowest part of my life. This was probably early May of 2011, and I was healed May 29th of 2011. My father-in-law, of all things, came and prayed for me that morning service. And the power of God, I didn't feel one thing. I just woke up the following morning, and I knew something was different. And I just kept getting better and better. What I say is no matter what you're going through, there has to be a time when you, point, you say, this is it. I'm desperate enough to do whatever I have to do to get. Jesus has paid the price for me to have it. I want to know, are there anybody that's desperate in the house? Because see, you've got to reach a place in your desperation. I'm done with this. See, whether, you're, whether it be an addiction, whether it be a low self-esteem, it doesn't matter. If, if, if you're struggling in your marriage, if the, if the doctors have given you a bad report, it, whatever it is in your life, you must begin to say, you know what? Jesus died for this. He died. I don't care if you're, if you're addicted to whatever it may be. It doesn't matter. Jesus died for that addiction. You don't have to be bound by it. Doesn't matter what the doctors say. Yeah, I'm, I say that very, because Jesus, Dr. Jesus has, a, has another answer for you. Healing belongs to you. It's something that's the children's bread. Now, I want to emphasize to you, honey, that soul desperation will rise up in you that says, you know, I'm not going to put up. You got to get like blind Barnabas. Jesus. Son of David, have mercy. But see the beauty where you are, you already got mercy. Jesus has already paid the price for you.